So many people across DWG's membership have been asking recently, are intranets dead? Intranets as a company's digital newspaper? Definitely yes. But intranets as a valuable, personalized, integrated dashboard? Definitely not. So, of course, we say intranets are dead. Long live intranets. Did you know that you can deliver a modern intranet experience that your employees will love without having to replace your existing intranet platform? Well, WorkGrid's digital assistant integrates the most popular intranet platforms such as SharePoint, Drupal, Jive, and bringing them all together to present communications, tasks, information, all from existing systems into a unified experience for employees that is both personalized and relevant right from the intranet. With WorkGrid, you can have modern intranet features for a fraction of the cost and time that it would take you to replace your entire intranet platform. As always, there are some great resources in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. And now on to digital workplace impact. How do we come back to work in this hybrid setting? are going to be always remote. Some are going to be, you know, partial office. Others are going to be partial home. And then there's very handful of folks who always need to be in the office. So now the digital agenda is going towards how do we bring the digital and physical assets together in this hybrid environment so that, you know, it's seamless for you. Today, I had a chance to sit down with Miru Aurora. I first crossed paths with Miru when she was the Chief Knowledge Officer at Aon. And as a DWG member, we had many a conversation about the internet transformation agenda that she was leading at the time. Fast forward to today, Miru's the CIO at Volkswagen Credit. Today, we talked about a great many things connected to digital transformation from internet management to digital leadership, and points in between. And in the wake of COVID, it's become very clear that what used to be a high bar is now table stakes. And so looking into the future, we talked about the fact that the new normal will be great, but it won't be easy. And what will it take to navigate this new window? Well, according to Nehru, it's all about building relationships, and that includes working cross-functionally, being a continuous learner, be a sponge, and a student of your industry and your expertise. Trust yourself, have conviction, take risks, harness the passion of your team, connect data to inform experiences, and perhaps most importantly and most interestingly, have a maniacal focus about your customers' and colleagues' needs. So with that, happy listening. So, Niru, I'm just delighted to have you in the studio today to catch up on everything that's been going on in your world. Of course, when we first met, you were heading up the knowledge management agenda at Aon, and transforming the internet was a top priority for you at that time. Fast forward to today, you are the CIO for Volkswagen Credit, and I'm really curious to hear about your career progression. How did you get from there to here? A great question. And Nancy, it is wonderful to speak with you again. And and I've really cherished our friendship over the years. Yes, it's been a while. Uh, We accomplished a lot at Aon, as you know. And I think the internet there, which is called Aon, 
as asset for the firm. So I'm very proud of that and very proud of the team over there. So a shout out to my old team. My journey at Volkswagen, you know, started in April of 2018. And it was really a call from a, you know, as I was about to accept another position at an insurance company. And they really got my attention. And I'll tell you what attracted me to Volkswagen was after I got the call was really the opportunity to be part you see one of the most recognized global brands around the globe, right? Who doesn't have a Volkswagen story of a Jetta or a, or a Beetle or, or an Atlas, you know, and then our, of course, you know, electric journey here. And for me, this was so to be part of a team that is at the forefront of shaping the future of mobility and the electric revolution, right? So, you know, I'm an economist. So if you think about our assets, everybody wants to own a home and a car, right? That was the, if you think about the future of mobility, the car ownership model is changing, right? So it's so interesting for me for, as an economist, as a, as a basically a member of the society, but even more importantly, as a professional, as you know, I'm a data and our world, you know, at Volkswagen going forward is going to be all digital as we think about, you know, changing the core of our cars to become electric from how we serve our customer in a very personalized matter from sales to sales, to ownership, to renewal journey, their car experience, you know, while they're owning the car. This is just was super exciting for me you know, this opportunity to be part of this amazing global and with an amazing leadership team. And then, you know, I'm a financial services person. I've done investment banking exchanges, insurance, you know, research, various things in my life, fixed income, but I had never done asset back retail financing. So for me, this was, I got all three, you know, forces. I get data and digital, I'm part of a financial, you know, captive arm of Volkswagen, and I'm part of automobile industry, which I knew nothing about. So as a curious, just, you know, this was an opportunity that appealed to me. And three years later, I still feel like I'm just starting, you know, it's day one, because there's so much more to learn for me. I just love your energy around how you've viewed this career move. And, and I wish we could bottle it because... I think when you're in a senior leadership role, as you are, the ability to inspire others to act is a critical part of what you do. And so I'm sure we'll have a chance to unpack that a little bit later in the conversation. But one of the things I, I want to make sure that we we pause and, and talk a little bit about is the fact that it feels like this career move has been a breakthrough moment for you and actually for women of color in STEM-related professions. You know, an SVP-level player who's a, both a woman and a person uh, of color is something that is a bit of a unicorn in our industry circles. And I think people would be very curious to hear the things that you attribute to your success. Honestly, I don't think I'm any special, to be frank. You know, it is, I hear you speak, and a very proud moment as well. I would say there's no magic formula, but I would say, honestly, I'm a very disciplined, hardworking person who sets a high bar for myself and my team. 
So a lot of this, and we, we read about it, and I genuinely believe in it, you know, life is little bit, you know, a lot of perspiration and, and inspiration, and you figure out what percentages work for you. But I would say mm-hmm. not just, uh, you know, women or women of color, but frankly, to all professionals out there, because I think we go through this as human beings in our, in our careers and personal professional lives. And, and I've got two young daughters, and I find myself saying these all the time. One is I talk a lot about head, heart, and and hands model with my team. So which honestly goes to you have got to trust yourself, right? You got to trust yourself at the core of you're going take risks and have conviction because there is no magic answer. I mean, if I mean if you just look at my career, I'm an economist by training, right? My entry to IT was totally accidental derivatives pricing models at the Board of Trade and defying the limits of Excel and access databases back in 1990s, right? That got me into electronic trading, UBS. You had to sort of trust yourself and take risks and have convictions. And I remember this conversation because I was a thriving economist, you know, in my early career, and I remember talking to my fellow economists when I said, I mean, I'm kind of going to UBS to be for fixed income division in IT, which was about like billion dollar budget. And they were like, but Neri, you're changing your career. But that was very attractive offer to me, right? So I pivoted my career from what could have been an economy, an IT career and going towards, you know, finance management and technology management and so on and so forth, right? So I think one has to sort of trust, take risks, have conviction. And if it's back, right? And I say this to you because I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be, even though I, you know, I don't think I've reached my plateau by any measure, right? I'm actually in school right now learning cybersecurity at Berkeley, (laughs) just so you know. Is one, I don't, you know, if you think of the world, what I don't know, I'm a curious learner, right? And I'm rambling a bit, but trust yourself, take risks, have conviction, and go on. The second point to, you know, this, as I said, I'm a learner. You know, put in the needed time if you need to learn something to know your business and be the best at it. Because you can't fake it in any business. And I really pride on, you know, I'm a student of auto industry, you know, at the table with my peers, auto industry's got, you know, we've got professionals who've been in this industry for 30, 40 years. So it's good to be a learner. It's good to learn from experience while balancing this with, you know, what I might be bringing from other industries, right? So be a learner, put the needed time, respect the experience, but don't limit yourself to, because, you know, past isn't our future. So you've got to take risks and have conviction. Yeah. Next thing I would say is build relationships at all levels, peers, mentors, sponsors, friends, vendors, partners, whoever. And I think you need to have a variety of them. So I, in my life, have mentors, sponsors from all walks, because sometimes I need a bit of, you know, lifting, you know, in my head. Uh, sometimes I just need a lift. Sometimes I need very acute, you know, mentoring in the industry, right? And sometimes I just need 
right? So you got to figure out, you have to surround yourself with people at all levels who you know you can tap in for what you might need. So I don't believe that you need one sponsor, you need many sponsors and including our, you know, young children to our most experienced CEOs. I think we all have something to learn from each other. So have variety of them. So those would be my three things. Trust yourself, be a learner, build relationships. Yeah. And I would add a wrapper around this, which is the art of telling the story, because that's how ideas and thinking sprout legs and create that effect that draws people into your orbit and um, allows people to be able to take the essence of whether it's uh, an initiative or an idea back to other people with very succinct language that's compelling. And I know from my history with you that that's part of the art behind what you do in addition to the the passion that you carry along with that. So um, that's a terrific exploration of your career in, in a nutshell. And so let's move on to a slightly different direction. And I'm curious to know if there is such a thing, could you tell us what a typical day might look like for you? Absolutely. I'm going to actually start with a typical day that blends my personal and professional life because I think it's important for women and frankly, uh, for humans to sort of balance that more so as we are working from home. And this is not fancy. I've been doing this now for, I don't know, I feel like over a decade. So my typical day starts at 5 a.m. I do most, I'm up at 4.30 on most days. I am sort of working effectively between 5 to 7 a.m. and most critical thinking. My to-do list, my sort of week, my months, that, that is my personal work time. And I've learned that I'm most effective in the morning. I'm not a night owl. Maybe it's part of aging, but that that's where my typical... I spend, you know, from 7 to sort of 9 a.m., dedicating to my family girls. Yes, I do make my fresh lunches for my children in the morning because it's important for me to balance my career and not compromise my family. So my, and of course, we all have the help we need during the day, but it's very important to me when my children wake up, I'm present for them and, and I am the one who they see. So I do my very best. Of course, I travel, you know, there's all sort of, you know, put but on most days, my typical days, that is my start of the day. And then the work begins, you know, it's a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, steering committees and so on and so forth. I do pride in having during any work day a of personal work time. So, you know, breaks in between. Um, and then I try not to do any meetings every day after 4 p.m., and I am not the creator of meetings on Friday. I say that cheekingly because we have tried to say no meeting Fridays, no meeting Wednesdays. I think everyone's trying to find their balance. I gave up on that. But I am very much committed to I am never the creator of meetings. So if somebody who has to meet with me, they are the creator and I will accept but I will not burden my teams or my directs with meetings that are orchestrated by Neuron Fridays. Of course, unless there's an emergency, but I do think 
work-life balance, that personal work time, that personal creative thinking time is so important. So I try to organize my typical day around that. That makes perfect sense because very often what happens is in those moments of stillness is where inspiration or insight will come. And, you know, if you're running on meeting after meeting or double booked and triple booked, as I've heard people share, uh, especially in this COVID window, is that you don't allow the body and the mind to breathe and to allow those bursts of creativity and thinking to come through. So it's it's interesting to hear how you orchestrate your day because there are a lot of parallels with uh, within my life as well. So uh, it's, it's validating for me on a personal level to hear you say all of this. So just thinking about the broader agenda that you have within the office of the CIO, Tell us a little bit about the role of the digital workplace specifically and some of your key priorities and challenges within that arena, because, of course, a good number of our listeners happen to be in that niche. Yeah. So and this is a great question, Nancy. So for digital workplace, I would not. And I'm just speaking candidly. It is obviously at the forefront of our minds as to. How do we, you know, obviously in this remote working, everybody worked so hard and so quickly and became right very quickly at two weeks notice. And we were all working from home and we're all working effectively. You know, the equipment was delivered and, and, and off you go. What used to be, you know, a high bar is now, t- right? So the digital workspace in that sense is working well, yeah? Now, we're, and of course, we're on Office 365, we had WebEx, you name it, I'm part of a large organization, you probably name a tool in my wheelhouse, you know, from Slack to Jira, you know, I've got it all. What we are working on is now thinking about how do we come back to work in this hybrid some people are going to be always remote. Some are going to be, you know, partial office. Others are going to be partial home. And then there's a very handful of folks who always need to be in the office. So now the digital agenda is going toward, uh, you know, how do we bring the digital and physical assets together in this hybrid environment so that, you know, it's seamless for you, Right whether we need to do a, you know, a PI planning shop with 120 people with various boards, what is the best tool to bring in there that integrates well with our team's environment and so on and so forth, right? So I think the digital workplace is getting, I want to say complex, but it is getting heightened scrutiny from us in terms of how do we increase productivity and get work done effectively, regardless of where you're at at any time? So it's almost like, and then, you know, the physical and digital comes into play is it's no longer about the laptop and the tool, but it's really about now setting up the right collaboration spaces that we will build, you know, in our what will the future conferencing room look like? Do we all need to have more immersive rooms, right? I think those are the conversations that are taking place for us. And when I think about the digital workplace, we are a, you know, 
you know, think of the auto industry, I, you know, for all my auto industry friends, but I think we all know it. We are, you know, maybe a decade behind the financial services industry. You know, when it came to collaboration, we are very much a, the culture is relationship building, you know, sort of culture uh, in the auto industry at large and certainly at Volkswagen. So for us, when you think about, you know, communities that collaborate digitally, people are very comfortable with, and, you know, we've talked, you've, you've seen me deploy Yammer and other tools at other organizations, Nancy. I think we're a bit behind there, but there's been a very native adoption with our younger talent of teams and all of these God, but we've got a long way to go in terms of putting it together in that succinct story that touches the hearts and minds of our organization at all level. So that's one. The second, Nancy, I would say is that Volkswagen's a large place, right? And to bring that knowledge together, you know, to build that connected company, it, it's a bit of a complex challenge, you know, globally, but within the region I'm looking after, you know, we are very much are, you know, at early discussions with our leadership as to how do we do this at a faster pace, bringing our digital and physical assets together, harnessing our people, our content, our collaboration, because there's a lot of knowledge capital within our firm that we have to, you know, look creatively to to untap. And so, Nira, within our industry publications, there's a lot of talk about CIOs and CHROs being sort of the power couple as we emerge out of the pandemic. And so given what you've just described around the importance of bringing together the physical and the digital and the people, what's your thought on that as a kind of a trend? And um, how do you see that working within your organization? Well, I, I think it's a party. Um, certainly, you know, so I've had the privilege of... Um, lead organization through COVID, as well as privilege of being representing my organization to the broader Volkswagen Group of America's task force um, that was, you know, leading the COVID task force and now return to work and frankly, future. So, of, of course, there's a very close marriage between the CHRO role and the CIO role because you're talking about mobilizing talent, which is our biggest asset as a firm, any firm, how do we make sure that colleagues have the right policies and the, you know, the right equipment, the right reimbursement packages, right? The right, uh, frankly, I would bring real estate into my partners is not just the CHRO. So who is on this task force is the CIO, the CHRO, the chief communication officers, the real estate, and and our, frankly, our occupational health team. Because, because safety of our employees, number one concern. So many of the policies that we have to think about, we thought about, you know, that as partnership. And if you think about technology as the enabler, and, and and our colleagues in marketing and communications are our voice that helps us communicate with our colleagues. So it's been a really a team effort, and it's worked beautifully, Nancy, frankly. We come together once a week on 
And um, it's not even, no one's riding any lengthy minutes. It's a team that's just been together throughout COVID and we've just gotten things done. But the partnerships been across all those uh, disciplines that I just mentioned. Yep. And I'm so glad that you answered this in in the way that you have, uh, because I think there's been a bit too much focus on the relationship between CIO and head of HR. And, you know, when we look at the lens of the digital workplace through the maturity benchmarking that we do, the technology is certainly foundational, but the impact on people and productivity and policy um, and leadership are all things that need to be guided by a wider set of minds. And I think you've hit the nail on the head in framing the importance of having all of the corporate sector leaders come together to think about this agenda holistically, because the area that we've typically seen lag the most in our benchmarking is the notion of organizational readiness. And that's across the people who are leading the digital workplace, leading in the digital workplace, and then the workforce at large. So um, I think your your focus is the right one around building the alignment across these corporate executives. And then also, I think, because you have a strong background in economics that lends a level of business acumen and business insight to what you're doing. Um, So you're looking at the practicalities and the capabilities with a unique lens as well. So this is, uh, this is getting quite interesting, Nero. So I'm going to ask you to take your crystal ball out for a moment. And given some of the conversations that you've uh, got underway with this um, group of leaders, uh, without divulging any trade secrets, um, what I would ask is if you could give us a window into what you think the organization's digital landscape will look like in three years. Oh, that, that, that is a great question. And I will not divulge any trade secrets. And I think it's not just for us. It's for everyone, right? I think a lot of focus is around connected customer, right? Regardless of what business we are in, connected customer is important. Connected, you've heard about connected colleagues is important. But if I were to look at our company's digital landscape, maybe I'll speak from a customer experience and now I'll speak from a colleague experience. Yeah. Great. For us, you know, we launched our corporate strategy, call it our customer compass strategy. And, and at the heart of this is, is our customer, right? So for us, it is all about building that connected customer experience that is seamless between the dealer, the owner, finance company. Our digital strategy is brand integrated. So, you know, our customers get to know the captive finance arm once they buy the car, right? So frankly, our customers don't care about our internal silos or the silos between the dealer and the OEM. So what we are focused on is always is how can we build these connected experiences that our customer expect in, into our strategy and into experiences, yeah? And then, you know, it's not just about the UX and getting the digital right. And, you know, I'm a data person. We have to connect that customer experience through the data that we have 
create, you know, that personalized content and that experience, whether it's about product offering, whether it's about servicing, it's really about maniacally focusing on that customer's need so that we can drive that brand loyalty that we need to. I mean, brand loyalty is key in auto industry, Nancy, and it's even more important to us as a captive finance company because our value proposition is that we service our customers, you know, bar none. Therefore, we will delight our customer in that intimate experience, whether it's pre-sale, sales, after-sale servicing, so that they come back to buy our brand of cars, right? So we compete on service. So we are very much focused, you know, building those digital and data platforms that are customer facing so that we can provide them, you know, with what they need in the moment they need it. And then on the back end, I'm going to talk about colleague experience, fix the front end and not fix the back end, right? Because the customer is going to call a call center. So in the back end, we are equally maniacally focused on optimizing our back end processes and building those digital tools, whether it's for the service the loan origination, whether it's in collections, we are very much focused on that colleague experience in the back end to make sure that they've got the, the customer 360 view, that we've got the best, you know, IBR technology, that we are building technology for the future with AI, ML, you know, chatbots, all of that in comfort, you know, combined so that the customer can choose the channel they want to engage with us, right? And get that barn and experience. I say that back office because when I joined here, we sort of had a lot of tech debt. And, you know, I'm very blessed to have the support of our leadership, our board. But we've got a quite aggressive transformation agenda for the next five years. And, you know, second year into it, I would say third, the first year, you know, you're just sort of formulating your plan. But we've been hitting everything, you know, on the dollar, on the date. I've got an incredible team, Nancy, because you can't think about digital agenda team. I've got an incredible team that is incredibly passionate about what we are doing. And and we have launched, you know, we have replatformed our call center technology. You know, this year we're focused on 100% digital e-signature. Our marketing cloud, we've relaunched our sales cloud. We're building incredible CRM engine. And, you know, you can just go experience our portals for yourself. My team built the, you know, the, the reservation system for the ID4. It's, it's just doubling down and accelerating that landscape with that maniacal focus on that customer experience. I have to say that's my favorite expression that you've used so far. And the idea that the connected colleague experience is the enabler of the connected customer experience is also a very powerful takeaway from this conversation. So working cross-functionally, a maniacal focus, harnessing the passion of your team. What have we missed? I think you've got it. These are such great insights. <laughs> and look, and we have to keep our dealers in mind, right? Very important to us. They're, they're the face to our customer as well, right? So we are always also thinking, how can we make that dealer more effective in serving our customers? So a lot of my focus is also going on in building that API-driven architecture that can seamlessly connect with any of the dealer DRM systems, you know, 
management systems, the lender portals, the dealer portals. So we work very hard at making sure that our channel partners are also successful and we're bringing them along on this journey. This has been such a powerful conversation, Niru. And of course, on a very personal note, it's so nice to be reconnected with you. And I'm hoping we can carry on the conversation well beyond today. Um, So just one final window of reflection or thoughts from you. Is there anything you were hoping I would ask that I didn't? I think it's, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation and anything for you, Nancy. I, I really value you as, as a leader and, and you know, and to celebrate you a bit, right? You've had an incredible career yourself, so we must celebrate you as well and say hello uh, on my behalf. I know we haven't connected in a while. Look, I don't think we missed anything. I think I would leave the listeners with, look, 2020 was a tough year and, you know, there's hope in sight. We're all getting vaccinated and, and life will come back to normal, It you know, but I would say, you know, no one knows. I think the new normal is going to be great, but it won't be easy, right? We have, we all got used to working from home and everyone was home, right? I think moving to hybrid is going to be interesting. So I think the next year is going to be a year of learning <laughs> again because we're going to relearn hybrid and we're going to figure out our physical mean to collaborate, where do we need to make investments and so on and so forth. So I would basically say be patient, <laughs> be a curious learner. And, and don't forget to take care of yourself because, you know, it's going to require from all of us. No question. And then the other little thread that I pull out from, from what you've just described is that we all need to get comfortable with a level of ambiguity. So, yes, there's a lot of change. We need to be able to pivot based on what's happening around us as well as those things that, you know, we want to create um, in, in moving the digital transformation agenda forward. Nehru, this has just been such a fantastic conversation. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day, especially given that we've walked through it and we know exactly how things play out for you and the level of intensity. But I think there are some great insights that people will take away from today's conversation. And um, hopefully we can ha- have you back in the studio at a future date um, as new things continue to uh, come up in, in your world. So thanks again for joining today. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. One has to sort of trust, take risks, have conviction. And if it doesn't work out, move back, right? Those would be my three things. Trust yourself, be a learner, build relationships. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.